Okay, now what I'd like you to do is turn the page so you're looking at the notes for contextual analysis and let's go over some of the things that are inescapable with regard to context. Those include homophones, homographs, and multiple meaning words. If we structurally analyze homophone, for example, you know that this means same sound. So in this column right here, we have same sounding words, words like sight, 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 two, 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 there, there, there. The difference is the spelling and the meaning. So homophones might sound alike, but they do not mean the same thing given the spelling and the context. Now, something I'd like to introduce right now is what is called a close activity. That is spelled C-L-O-Z-E. Now, there are two different kinds of close activities. The first kind of close activity is the one that's called the syntactic close. And it looks like this. Let's take a look at 2, 2, and 2. Let's say that those are our target words. Well, let's have a sentence. I went blank the store. Now, close is simply a big word for fill in the blank. One type of fill in the blank is a syntactic close or what we could call a grammar close. So that space demands that a particular form of to be placed within a sentence, not the adverb T-O-O -O or the number T-W-O, but rather the preposition to, and that's based purely on the grammar. So the syntactic cue and the context are telling us to supply, in this close activity, to supply to that part of speech, the preposition. Now the second type of close activity is the semantic close. Now a semantic close is going to depend more on the context and more on meaning. For example, if I may just scroll this up just a bit, the second example would be something something like this where you would have I blank my research. And let's say that our choices are the following. Let me scroll this down so you can see it. It's way at the top. Our choices are going to be sight, sight, and sight. Well, this space right here, that space right there is a semantic cue, a meaning cue. Well, given the context of this sentence, sight with a C is the one that is required to go in the space. So from all of those available homophones of sight, 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 the only one that fits within that blank is C-I-T-E, as in I cite my research, and that is meaning, and that's what that space demands. Okay, so close activities to sum up are fill-in-the-blank activities. Some blanks are syntactic in nature, others are semantic in nature. Now, another variety of word that depends on context is the homograph. So if we were to do a little etymology here, I'm at the top of the screen, these are going to be, let's say, same letter words, or same words of the same letters, and we'll just define it like that. Well, notice in each pair of words, it can either be a verb or a noun, a verb and a noun, or an adjective and a noun, and all depends on whether or not the vowel is long or short. Like, look at this one. I lead the class. I lead the class. That's a long E. I need lead for my pencil. That's a short E. So depending on whether or not the vowel is long or short, 
the meaning will change depending on the context. And this context is going to tell you how to pronounce it. Now look at the verb form of this word, subject. Stress is on the second syllable. So sometimes it might not be vowel lengthening or shortening that determines the meaning, or the context tells you how to pronounce it, either with a long or a short vowel. It's stress shift. Because listen to the noun form, subject. I subject you to the subject of reading. Finally, stress shift can also produce an adjective, as in minute versus minute. I need a minute sample of blood versus give me a minute, the noun form. So sometimes it's vowel lengthening or shortening that'll do it. Other times it's going to be stress shift that'll do it. But in both cases, it's the context that's going to tell you how to appropriately, appropriately pronounce that word. Now an activity, I guess, that you would want to use would be something like Pictionary, where the students would create like a picture dictionary of a teacher leading a class, maybe, and you would have them uh, indicate that the vowel is long and use it in a sentence. Or you're going to have a child draw some pencil letters, something like that, and use it in a sentence, too. Something visual to accompany it is the point. Now, let's take a look at the last uh, variety of contextually dependent word, and that is the multiple meaning word. Now, when I did my master's degree, uh, these were called homonyms, homonyms. Now, I've heard that Sometimes homonyms are used to describe both homophones and homographs, but I want you to keep homonyms separate. These are going to be same name words, multiple meaning words in other words. Now, look at the word cool carefully. Cool can have a denotative, <coughs> excuse me, or dictionary definition like below body temperature, or a connotative or slang definition as in she's a cool teacher. Now, let's imagine we have the proverbial uh, exchange student who learned English as a second language by studying it in a classroom. It's entirely possible that they're very good at denotative definitions, but perhaps not as good at connotative definitions. Well, how will that impact comprehension? Well, think of the student reading adolescent literature and saying something like, she's a really cool teacher. And the exchange student thinks that the teacher is dead because they're below body temperature, and then they get all of the comprehension questions wrong. Well, that's why you have to know how to handle these multiple meaning words and the semantic map, or a word map, is a common way to teach multiple meaning words. Let me give you an example. We can take a multiple meaning word like play, put it in the center of a circle, <clears throat> and then work with a student to discuss different meanings related to the word, like fun, for example, is one meaning of play. Making music is another possibility or going to the theater. Well the meaning of the word play is contextually dependent and we're trying to use a semantic map, a visual way of teaching all of the associated meanings for a given word. And we already looked at that semantic mapping technique when we looked at some um, bound roots. Remember we just did it for uh, Aster. Okay well to sum up this portion then for upper elementary vocabulary the highest or more difficult or last on the list is contextual analysis. Remember, they want you to, the standards in these reading programs will having you do a lot of skills like structural analysis or etymology first uh, before you check the word in terms of its contextual meaning. But for some words, context is inescapable. It's inescapable for homophones, for homographs, and for our new friends, the multiple meaning words. 
Okay, well, in the next uh, lesson, I'm going to go over comprehension, and uh, we'll learn all about comprehension in a moment, and then uh, we'll do a summary, and that'll end, okay? Thank you.